0: You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Jackson Ewell is a midfielder for the U.S. men's national team and is in Kansas City to participate in the CONCACAF Gold Cup at Children's Mercy Park. A young veteran with the San Jose Earthquakes, he led the team in minutes played for the 2020 season. He was a finalist for the 2017 MLS Rookie of the Year award after being selected as the sixth overall selection by the Earthquakes in, two, two, in the 2017 Super Draft. He was invited to join the U.S. Men's National Team in 2019, and he played in five of the last six matches for the team that season. He registered his first assist last year against El Salvador, setting up Chris Mueller as part of an outburst of five goals in 10 minutes for the national team. Prior to his time with the Earthquakes, he made 32 starts in 40 games at UCLA, scoring nine goals and providing 17 assists for the Bruins, set an NCAA record with three assists in 32 seconds in a game against the University of Akron. So we expect his responses will be very quick. But so Jackson, welcome mm-hmm. to Sports Connections. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. How did you get involved with soccer? Is this something that's a family tradition or something you came to? What, how did you get involved?
1: Yeah, um, my whole family played. Um, my mom and dad um, played uh, when they were younger, um, then my dad and my mom were actually my first coaches, um, so it's kind of been a uh, whole family, you know, kind of thrown into thrown into the game and started when we were really young. Did you play other
0: sports growing up?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm from Minnesota, so hockey was really big. Yeah, um, yeah, played hockey and soccer growing up. You know, kind of a little bit of everything um, when you're younger, but hockey and soccer were the main two that that we played growing up.
0: And why did you choose to focus on soccer? Was that your best sport? Was it the family tradition? Was it, it's warmer than playing hockey? <laughs> what was
1: the reason you focused on soccer? Uh, the warmer part actually ended up working out wet, better than I thought. Uh, it wasn't really um, part of it at the beginning, but I was, you know, when I was in squirts and wees and coming into Bantams, I was still really small. Um, everyone else was kind of getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And and, um, and I enjoyed um, soccer more at the time. You know, a lot of more of my friends um, – who I was really close with were on the soccer team. And so, um, I decided to, to take that route and, and I'm very happy with the decision.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly worked out well for you. Um, it seems like every kid growing up in America that plays soccer, at least plays it seriously, has that
1: as a goal to play in Europe. Is that true for you? And when did that start? Uh, yeah, of course, you know, for me, um, I want to be push myself as, as best I can. Um, and if that, that route is Europe, um, you know, playing in in the Champions League, playing with some of the you know best players around the world, is definitely a goal of mine. Um, you know, the timetable for it, I don't think, is something that's urgent to me. Um, but I would like to experience a different culture, a different league. You know, see, you know what what really football is across the world. You know, you get a little bit of that with with the national team, um, but it's not fully integrated in in a, in a different society, and and that really intrigues me.
0: Yeah, and certainly the uh, MLS is growing. It's it's I, I don't I'm not one, I'm not smart enough to put it in, into a you know a ranking with you know I guess to say it properly Serie A in Italy or Bundesliga or you know the um, Premier League in, in England, but it's it's gaining ground. You're getting good experience in MLS play, aren't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, even from when I first came to the league to this year, you see the influx of not only players, but coaches as well. Um, you see the new stadiums, the new training facilities. Um, so everything about, you know, MLS is, is really coming into its own. You know, it's becoming its kind of own league where it is hard to, you know, put it in a ranking with other, other leagues because it is very different um, and it still is very young. Um, but yeah, the exposure of, you know, of CONCACAF, of the Champions League CONCACAF, of um, you know, coaches coming from Europe, coaches coming from South America, um, you're starting to get a really good group, a really talented group. And you know, I think it's only going to get better and better. And you see it with like, the academies as well, where you know, SC Dallas, um, Philly Union are really developing really good players and are sending them to Europe. Um, and so I think it's only going to grow in, in that aspect too. You know, the American homegrown players are really starting to develop in these clubs.
0: And and being here in Kansas City, I'm particularly biased towards Sporting Kansas City. In a match recently, uh, Sporting had and and it wasn't you know at a time when there when the game was all but already decided. It was it was um, I mean it was six. There were six men most of the second half. Six players that were part of the, um, that came up through the Academy guys like John Luca and and Daniel Shallowy and guys like that. They were, they were legit. They weren't thrown in there because sporting was up, you know, two or three goals late in the game. So I, I understand what you're saying. Speaking of, of the training Academy or the training facilities, what do you think now that you're training in sporting's, uh, training facility with the national team, what do you think of, of the facilities here in Kansas city?
1: Yeah, I think they're incredible. Um, you know, the, the setup that they have is, is really special. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you see it coming into all the new teams, you know, they're having these, these training facilities and, and they're setting a standard for, for MLS. And, and this is definitely one of the standards of, you know, professionalism of, you know, quality of pitches, quality of equipment, quality of, of, of life for, for the players. Um, and yeah. And, you know, when they built it, they they did a really really good job, and and we're we're lucky to be training here right now.
0: We've talked a little bit about Europe. Do you have a favorite team in Europe? Maybe it's maybe it's in the the Premier League in England. Do you have a team that you root for? That if if that day comes where you do get transferred, I guess that's the you know that basically for those of us who don't follow soccer international soccer as closely as as a lot do, uh, getting transferred basically means a European team is going to pay. in in your case, the San Jose Earthquakes, a rather large sum of money to buy your rights and then pay you a rather large sum of money to come over there and play. So do you have a team that you hope to end up with or is it, hey, I'm in Europe, I'm happy?
1: You know, growing up, um, Barcelona was my my favorite team, you know, when they had Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi, um, even a little before when Ronaldinho was there. And so, you know, Barcelona has always been, you know, my favorite club, um, and it still really is my favorite club. And even seeing someone like Sergio Des there is, is awesome, and it's it's really cool. Um, for me, um, it's there's a lot of projects that that go into certain teams, um, and I really like watching the Spanish league. Um, yeah. You know, if 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 it, the right team in, in Spain kind of came, I would definitely have to. Um, you know, see see their project and and what they're trying to do as as a team, um, but yeah, something like that where where it's more technical and um, you know playing wise is 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 enjoyable. So um, it's not necessarily a specific team, but you know, style of play and yeah. and location are big.
0: How hard would it be growing up as a Barcelona fan to to get signed by let's say Real Madrid or mm. <laughs> one of Barcelona's rivals? Would that be would it, would that be exciting to play against your your childhood team, or would it would it be awkward? What what would that be like?
1: No, honestly, if Real Madrid came and said they wanted me, I would I would go there. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> you better uh, answer it that way, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know I think you know the history of of some of these big clubs are astonishing, and you know I I root for almost every team. Um, you know, there's. Um, you know, teams who, who try to do the right thing and, and try to play really intrigue me. And so it's not so much about, you know, the badge, but, you know, the history, the the style of play, the, you know, what it means to be a part of that culture. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, all these big clubs, you know, re- represent that. Um, and, you know, speaking to some of the guys in some of these big clubs, you know, they they love it and, and they love the experience from the fans, from from the facilities, from from the lifestyle. And, and you know, that that really intrigues me to, try to, um, you know, try, try to go for those kind of big clubs like that.
0: Okay, I'm going to ask you to, to be a scout for a minute or maybe to be your own PR guy. So why should a Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester City or whoever, why should they take a look at Jackson Ewell uh, as a potential player for the future?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's for me, I, I always, um, I love having the ball. I love having possession of the ball. Um, I think, you know, it's the, the positioning and, of the team and, and making the right pass at the right moment that, um, you know, is one of my qualities. Uh, you know, finding balls in, in between the back line, you know, breaking lines to kind of set up, set up plays, I think, is, is one of my strong qualities, as well as the defensive aspect of it. You know, I think I'm a two-way midfielder. Okay. Of able to kind of be box to box, and um, you know, I can I can do the offensive part and and you know create opportunities and and keep the flow of the game going, as well as the defensive aspect of of being in the right position and, and reading the right moments of of when to step and when not to, and then um, you know, it's kind of bringing an intensity to the game of you know of trying to win. And so, if I was to describe myself, it, it would be in in that regard of you know, intense defensively and then very calm and, um, you know, good passes uh, offensively.
0: It's interesting. You, you bring up the calmness. Uh, it seems like there's an awful lot of midfielders who are pretty good on the defensive side, but when it, all of a sudden they're in a, the, you, their team is in a striking position and it's, they're not panicked, but they may pass to the first open guy when maybe the second pass you, you don't take that first one, but you look that way. You know, you do a Chris Paul if you follow basketball at all. You look towards that guy, draw the defense. But you have to remain calm to be able to do that, wait for the defense to go, and then serve it to the next guy. Is that, How critical is that calmness for a good midfielder?
1: Yeah, it's it's really essential. Um, you know, just having, um, you know, picking the right option, I think would be the best best way of saying it. Um, okay. because you do have a lot of players and a lot of um, things kind of going on. And, you know, finding um, that right pass and at the right moment is, is challenging. And, you know, the good players, the top level always find the right pass and always make the correct decision. And, and it's usually the most simple one that that leads to, to an opportunity. And, um, you know, those are the I think the best players in the world to do, do that really, really well.
0: Okay uh obviously as we record this we're we're anticipating the euro final but this year's euro tournament had a lot of matches decided on pk's
1: or can you can you score on a penalty kick how how are you at that <laughs> um to be honest you know we actually got knocked out of by Kansas City last year in pk's and i missed <laughs> okay um so uh that was unfortunate um but it is something that that we do try to train a lot. Um, Myself, you know, um, in San Jose, uh, uh, Chris Wondolowski is is usually our penalty kick taker. And when he's not on the field, you know, someone else has to do it. Um, And so after training, you know, I always try to hit a few. It's always good for the goalies to get reps. And so it's something that I've definitely been training because, you know, in MLS, there are playoffs where, you know, you could get it. There's open cup and then there's these tournaments where, um, things can be decided with penalties. And so it's definitely a, a crucial thing. Um, penalties are difficult because they're not so much luck, but they can be lucky sometimes, yeah. you know, um, sometimes you have a really good goalie, sometimes nerves, sometimes um, you hit it right and he just makes a really good save. Um, but they're definitely something that, you know, I think the more you train and you have confidence, um, you step up and hit it and and I, th- I think it can go your favor.
0: I did, a, I did an interview recently with Tim Melia. Um, and he said the the pressure is all on the on the, the guy trying to score because the expectation is it's a penalty you're going to score, and so there he feels no pressure with that. And yet I don't want you to feel bad about missing against against Melia in, the, in last year's playoffs. He and the statistic was phenomenal. You know the worldwide average for goalies stopping. Um, PKs is like 17 point something percent. His his percentage is 43 percent. He's more than double the worldwide average. So he's got a sixth sense about that. So it's not just you. I mean, obviously, he stopped three straight PKs first time in a long time that's happened uh, in the, at the playoff level at MLS. So he, he didn't just stop you. He stopped everybody. And he's been doing yeah. that for a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was against us. Uh, Yeah. So I I didn't feel too bad because I knew he he was really good and he made (laughs) some incredible saves and, uh, and yeah, he couldn't do anything else about it. So.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, Going back to uh, the, the, um, the the being with the the national team, obviously the national team hit rock bottom when it lost to Trinidad and Tobago to miss qualifying for the 2018 world cup. I think, Everybody who followed soccer, even a little bit, expected the U.S. to beat Trinidad and Tobago to make the World Cup. And it didn't happen. That was obviously rock bottom, at least in the last 30 years for the U.S. national team. How many
1: players are carryovers from that team? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I, someone else would have to look that up. But um, – yeah, I don't think many. Um, I think a few guys here um, were in and around the group, and um, and in and in that, um, or at least in in the cycles leading up to it. Um, yeah, it was definitely definitely unfortunate um, moment, and uh, but I think you know as a U.S. program, um, it's you know the thing we talk about is how do you respond, and yeah, that may have been rock bottom, and and we were supposed to, um, but now you're looking at maybe one of the better teams that U.S. has had in in recent history and, you know, coming off of winning Nations League um, is a stepping stone to, you know, proving that that's not U.S. soccer. And, you know, this this age group and, you know, hopefully for the coming years will show um, the change of how we can't let that happen anymore. And, um, yeah, it was unfortunate. I'm not sure what players um, were a part of that. Um, per se, but I think, you know, going forward, um, there are going to be stronger players.
0: Now, um, I think, uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, Jordan Morris, w- was he one of your teammates at UCLA or, w- or did you guys not overlap? Um, he,
1: he went to Stanford. Oh, um, so, I was so UCLA, I'm sorry. So we, we played against each other for, okay. for a season.
0: Okay. Um, now he was, he, even though he was on the team, he wasn't playing cause he was injured for that match against, Trinidad Tobago, right? He may be one of the only ones uh, that's uh, that was part of that team. That's part of this team. Um, now, one of the things I've noticed is I, I've kind of done a little research for the for the Gold Cup that's coming up here next week. Is the U.S.A. U.S.A. team has a lot of young, talented players, including you. Um, you know, I, I know Busio very well. Uh, there's a lot of good. You know, everyone knows about Christian Pulisic. Um, What's the strength of this
1: current team? Um, I think depth and hunger. Um, I think, I think all these guys in the current gold cup um, are still trying to, you know, make their way into the national team and and win their spot. Um, I think you saw the nation's league roster of high caliber players at high top tier teams. And um, and I think this this group has just as much quality um, and, and ability to, to win tournaments like this. Um, and so it's about, you know, the hunger of going out and, and proving, proving your skills. And, um, and even if you're young or even if you're old and still trying yeah. to make it, it's, um, you have the quality to do it. And, and that's what I see in, in a lot of these guys and a lot of the new faces in the team in this camp is that, they're ready for the challenge and and they're hungry to start the tournaments and um, try to be in that World Cup um, qualification and, and be at the World Cup next year. OK,
0: and I'm going to get to that in just a second. I want to ask just kind of a um, a general question, I guess. Just tell me what it means to you to play for the national team. Is this something you'd look forward to for a long time? Just I mean, you're wearing wearing USA on your chest. That's got to feel pretty good, does not it?
1: yeah yeah every time you know you step out on the field and they play the anthem and you see the crowd you take a breath and you're like wow this is this is awesome this is special uh and that's every game you know no matter if you're playing a CONCACAF cap team a european team whatever team you're playing yeah. against you know in training and whatnot um it's special and and it deserves that um little bit of extra from you um and so I think everyone who comes into camps realizes that, you know, it's hard to kind of see from the outside and really understand, but when you're in camp, you, you feel, you feel that, um, motivation of, of, of the country and and you feel that pride. And and that's something that's really big for, for this group is I think they really feel that pride of, of being here and, and representing USA and, and wanting to put on, um, the best they can for, for the team.
0: And, um, How close are we? I mean, those. I've been following soccer for probably 15, 20 years. I think – I can't remember what year it was uh, that Donovan scored the late goal to send us to the the knockout stage. So that's when I really started following it. So those of us who are recent converts to the game, shall we say, wonder when the United States is going to be competitive. You know, yeah, I think the expectation is – you guys will make the world cup next year, but when will we be
1: one of the teams to watch? You understand what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's still a young team and, and experience is, is definitely needed. Um, and you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, if the world cup was right now, how we would do, um, because I think the group is still growing and it's still, um, developing, um, And so I I think, I don't know how well this World Cup will do, but I think it'll be a good test. Um, It'll be a good, you know, um, point to reference to say, okay, we need to do this, this, and this to be at the top or to be in the top 10. Um, And so I I think it's close. Um, I think, you know, the, the quality of players right now is special, and I think it'll only influence younger people younger children to you know realize that they can do it too that yeah. they can you know they can go and play in europe they can go play um on the best teams of mls the best teams in in europe and south america or wherever they want to play um, so I, I think this this age group is is really important for the future and um you know establishing you know a culture of of soccer that um can be carried on um, and that's not only good for one tournament, but it's good. It's, it's a lasting, um, wow. That's a good team. And, and it just lasts for a really long time.
0: And the the timing may be perfect. You know, you, you talk about 2022, you'll be, com- you'll be there. You'll be, you expect to be there. You expect to be competitive, but maybe the year that the tournament after that, well, guess what? The world cups coming to America in 2026. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? And I guess that's kind of redundant, but w- do you expect the U.S. to compete for the World Cup in 2026 on American soil?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I think, you know, that this core group and, and the future group will be at, at a great age. Um, and, and that's the thing about, you know, America and Americans is we love to compete. And <laughs> um, and I think everyone in, in, in it still has, you know, we're still focused on the Gold Cup and they're still – stepping stones that need to be achieved. And and it started with nation's league. It started um, before, and it, and it starts with this of, of building, um, you know, a culture within the team and a culture outside. Um, and so 2026 is still a long ways away. Um, yeah. but I think the, you know, the motivation behind the players behind, you know, the soccer community I think is, is really big. And, and, and I think it's going to be in a special event, um, and, and and I'm really excited for, for when it does, because I think it'll be awesome.
0: And you think the core of the team that's going to get the U.S. to the level we all desire is already part of the team?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's you know, the leaders of the, of the team are young, um, you know, Christian and Weston and Tyler and um, Zach are still, you know, really, really young for for their for how long they've they've been in. In, in the national team and and for what they're doing right now and and i think they're only going to grow and everyone else around them um you know here in mls and um you know in this team right now um are growing with them and and i think it's it's a really deep squad and it's a it's a competitive squad um where not necessarily the team that you play on club level is why you're in the national team it's it's quality it's um you know are you are you playing for the team are you are you trying to win and, and are you trying to represent what u.s soccer wants to represent um and i think that's what the the core group right now is is doing really well is they're they're building that culture of what what it'll be like in the future
0: okay and again i'm i'm here in kansas city uh and so i'm particularly biased for for john busio what does he bring to the team
1: uh, he's he's one of those calm midfielders. You know, he he makes the right decision. He can, um, he's got pace. He can dribble by people. He can, you know, make the right pass. He can, um, you know, he can defend. You know, playing against him in in San Jose, it's it's always challenging because he's usually one of the one of their better players, and 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 he's done really really well in, in recent years. And um, yeah, you know, it's my first time being able to, you know, speak to him a little bit more and and be on the same training field and. And then you really see the qualities that he has um, every day, and and I think he'll be a really special player for for the years to come.
0: And he's 19 years old. That's the amazing yeah. thing. He's been mm-hmm. playing professionally since he was 15, so that's pretty amazing. Now you talked earlier, Jackson, about about experience. Um, I read somewhere that that you struggled with international play earlier this year. The article I read was actually not very complimentary at all, um, and I think it was probably unfair, but. I think you would admit that you didn't have a great uh, early season. How have you improved since then?
1: Uh, it's always trying to improve, um, trying to be better. Um, yeah, I think the Olympic qualifying was, was challenging. Um, you know, it, it hurt not, not making it. Um, and then uh, winning Nations League was, was special, but it's always trying to be a little bit better than, than you were the day before um and and i think that goes same thing with the national team of of trying to to be better than the last camp and you know as as you put those camps together it starts being being better and sometimes maybe you take a step backwards but it's always about um those step backwards you look at and say okay i did this wrong how do i improve and that's something special about this group is it's you know whether it's coaching staff medical staff um players it's always um introspective, trying to be better, um, individually and then collectively. Um, and so we talk a lot as, as a group of, of how we can do that. And and there's a lot of support within, within the team to, to, to keep getting better and to keep improving.
0: But you personally, how did, how have you gotten better since the early season struggles this year? Is it, are you calmer? Are you a better defender? Are you more aggressive? Are you a better penalty kicker?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, for me, um, I don't really know <laughs> it's um, I always try to improve um, my physical being of being able to last the season, you know, being to be as strong as I can each and every game. Um, and so that's something that, that we've been focusing on, um, on more because um, there are a lot of games that, that do pile up. Um, and then it's one of those things of, of making the right decisions um, in the, in the final third Um and so that's something that, you know, we work in San Jose of creating opportunities and, and being in the right position. And so it's an ongoing process of, you know, trying to trying to be in the right place individually, but also collectively as a group.
0: Okay. I want to go back to something we talked about earlier. If, if you get the opportunity to play in Europe, whether it's in the next couple of years or three or four years down the line, what will you miss most about playing in MLS? Um,
1: I think, you know, playing you know, in, in the home stadiums, in the home, on home soil, on, um, you know, we were just in Minnesota and being able to play in front of family and friends was, was yeah. special. Um, you know, being able to play, um, in these certain cities that, that are, that are special to me, you know, I went to UCLA, so it's always cool, kind of the Cali Classico. And then of course playing in San Jose is, has been special. And, um, you know, you have moments, um, and games that are, that are unique in, in MLS. And, um, and I think there is a uniqueness of MLS, of difficulty of, of the travel of, um, you know, of how how the league works and and how it's shaped compared to Europe. And, and I think I'll miss, I would, I would miss that the most. Um, And it's, it's, it's a special league and and I think it's only going to get better. And um, yeah, it's right now I'm enjoying it.
0: Okay. Um, well, do you have long-term goals in the sport?
1: Um, for me, it's uh, obviously a World Cup, uh, you know, making it to the World Cup has is, is always been one of my childhood dreams of, you know, being there and, and seeing it. Um, and then, you know, win, winning, winning with the national team um, and winning with club level. Um, you know, we were able to do it with Nations League. And so I think, you know, just, just wanting to do more each time um, and, and keep striving for more is, is, is one of my goals currently. Um, and so it's hard to look too far in the future because a lot of things can happen. Um, but I do have, have goals that, that I want to reach in, in terms of, you know, tournaments to play in, um, level to play at players to play with type of thing. And, and, you know, it's one day at a time.
0: Okay. I always try and wrap up my questions or my interviews with two questions. First of all, talk about your family
1: uh yeah um my uh you know they're all part of soccer um my dad is still um a coach um you know he coaches uh youth youth level in in minnesota um was one of my coaches growing up um and then my mom um she works um just uh in in online healthcare and um Mm -hmm. does that and then my sister's actually becoming a pilot so she's um currently doing her training right now in, in Salt Lake city. And, and she's really enjoying that, you know, COVID kind of affected it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so um, now she's kind of getting back into it. And, and then my brother actually lives out with me in San Jose um, and he works, works with my mom and um, yeah, you know, it's a uh, family who, who lived in soccer and, and grew up in soccer and, you know, they all, all support me really well and, and I appreciate them. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really good group.
0: Yeah. And, and pilot is not one of those jobs you can work from home. So uh, that <laughs> certainly had a, COVID had an effect on that. Uh, is there a significant other in your life or you want to leave that one alone?
1: Uh, there is not right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All
0: right. And then I always wrap up with this question. And for somebody as young as you are, um, it, you can interpret it different ways. You can say what you hope it will be. But my question, and I always wrap up with this is what is your legacy? So if you don't feel like you have one yet, what do you want it to be? And if you feel like you have one already, go ahead and answer it that way.
1: Yeah, um, to be honest, you know, when I grew up playing, um, I'd always Google on YouTube like Xavi or Iniesta or Busquets, and I would go out in the backyard and I would try to do what they did and I would try to emulate them. And, you know, when you go to the park with your friends or something, you you have their jersey on on your back and you, and you feel like that player and, and you're, you're motivated. And for me, it's maybe not – I won't reach their level of, you know, um, people of but you know just someone to if little kids are saying wow like I saw Jackson you play in the game last night like did you see him do this move like can I go try this in the backyard and, and they're eager to to get better and they're eager to to be free and, and try things is, is something that I really enjoy about the sport when I was growing up and I currently enjoy that right now and that's something that I would want to leave with um, young kids and fans of the sport to you know try to be free and, and, and enjoy in their backyard and, and play. Um, not necessarily how I do, but if they see something that, that I did yeah. that they try to try to emulate or, or try to try to do. And, and so that's what I would want to leave with, with people.
0: All right. Well, Jackson, I appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck. I might Thanks see you so this much. weekend. I'll be at it. Or, well, all, all this next week, uh, working in the press box. So I, I hope to be able to see, you, and if not, then, uh, Maybe when San Jose comes to Children's Mercy Park this year to play, play sporting, we'll get a chance to bump into each other.
1: Sounds good. Appreciate the time as well. Thanks for listening to
0: Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmailbooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.